MatchCast 26. I'm Mark. He's Josh. Thanks for listening. Right over there is Tyler Wells. He's our guest for the episode. Tyler, my friends, is hot shit in coffee. And other things. But you got a coffee idea? A brand? An experience you want to bring to life? This guy uh, gets that call. And runs with it. We're also very fortunate. We have uh, Tyler on Natch Ranch. He's been advising us since the get-go. He's a a small group, a close circle of advisors that's helping us uh, bring you this conversation about food in a smart way with a side of whoop-ass. Enjoy. Begin. Like he me. is. He, well, he keeps his emotions in check. That's important too. It's total control. That's funny. <laughs> That's cute. You don't think it's true? Mm, I think it's true to a point. Yeah. And then. Is that something? Then it's not true. Is that a learned behavior? No, it's a it's a behavior. I wish I could learn. To keep them in check. To keep your emotions in check? Okay. We're all, that's what well, we're I've all doing. I've never seen you angry. I haven't either. It happens less and less. It still happens. Getting angry requires too much energy. And if this were older, a Saturday, Ooh. I'd be angry. You're turning on during the work week. I just don't like Saturdays. Oh. Why don't you like Saturdays? It's boring. Mm. What? That's funny because I tend to get kind of stressed on Saturdays too. It's my worst day of the week. I do everything less well, still extremely well, but less well. <laughs> I think I have that problem too. It's just uh, me and the kids, kids on Saturdays, and for some reason kids I'm on like uptight. Yeah, what am I going to do with them? I know, and the time seems to crawl past, and yeah, well, they're like, like extra wound up because they've been in school all week. Whew. It's like uh, New Year's where there's this expectation that the week is over and or the year is over and you have to do something. It's a good point. You have Saturdays. to do something, you know? Like, oh, it's Saturday. There's big expectations, and then nothing happens. And Yeah, you expect Saturday to be special, and then often it's not. Often it's the opposite of special. It's a good chat. That's <laughs> a wrap. That's it. We're yeah. done. I'm pulling up some info, too. But can you introduce him? Yeah, this is Tyler Are you Wells. recording? Yeah, I've been recording for a while. All right. We Check got all that bloopers real stuff. Maybe I, in case I don't use it, though, I'll, I'll remind everyone. Are you, are you a veteran podcast guest? This is so his first. First so, one. So this is it. This is all the yeah. people usually ask, have we started? Like, mm. Oh, yeah. We're way into it. By usually now. it's... He's just cucumber cool. Usually it's high production value television. So podcast is... Yeah, he's slumming it. He's in the basement. Mm-hmm, I am. But just to repeat what was said earlier and might be cut, Tyler Wells in the basement in the studio. First live guest... His first podcast last week, Arlo week Crawford, his first podcast. Yep. yep. Who's next? I don't know. Someone who's never done this before, I guess. We should keep this trend alive. But Tyler. You know who's coming up? Who? Well, we'll see if we get through the, the, uh, that buyer at Whole Foods, the global. The global buyer at Whole Foods. What? Global buyer for everything? Whole Foods. He, ultimate say? Every buying decision crosses his desk, and he well, says, I, <laughs> go, no, go. I think Whole Foods is structured, at least it used to be, regionally. 
So there's the mountain region, West Coast, all that. You would go with those buyers to try to get into those stores. He does the national. You said global. Well, his title is global. Do they have yeah, locations outside like of the UK. U.S.? UK. UK. Yeah. There's a couple other places. Canada, Canada maybe. Canada, certainly. Maybe oh, Canada. Yeah. The Jefe, Mexico City. Hmm. I'd hope so. I don't know. We put some product in Whole Foods before, and it's you work with the regional buyer. You can work at the store level, or you could at one point. And you have store level buyers, and then if you make it to the high cotton, you get the regional, which is I don't know what the I don't even know where we are right now. We worked in Southern California, and it was a region it was like sixteen stores. It was a pretty massive. It's often referred to as being like kind of an arduous process, right? Like getting into Whole Foods. I think, and it's not as efficient in terms of running a business, but they like it because it keeps them into a local supply chain, right? They can have more local stories in the store. They pay their, go ahead. They pay their bills, which is nice. I think that's a treat. That is a treat. Uh, I always liked working with them. I, I, you might know more than I do, but I'm still a Whole Foods fan. You still go. I, I do. We went on uh, Sunday. Yeah. It's a Whole much Foods better experience than uh, Sprouts or the... Yeah, Sprouts. The competition. Yeah. But the real competition, Target, Walmart. You think so? Save, oh. Super Target? Super Targs? Uh-huh. Target right. and... I don't uh, like buying groceries there. Uh, Kro- Kroger. Kroger's organic line has surpassed Whole Foods' private label, 365. Uh-huh. 365 isn't always organic, though. Just FYI. You are... Are they doing, I heard they're doing 365 stores. <laughs> they are. We had a better name. Yeah. What was it? Oofer. Oofer. We were ideating on that concept a while ago. <laughs> you didn't like it. I don't remember where <laughs> Oofer came from. <laughs> it was like Uber, but for food. Oh, yeah. That's oh. what it was. Oofer. Oofood. Oofood was another kind of. And we wanted umlauts. It was very important to get the umlauts. All of our brand ideations involve umlauts. What about food FUD with an umlaut? Yeah, that could work, too. We use that for food tech. Yeah, food oh, we tech. Don't have you can have an Uber food. Uber, Uber food. food? Well, how do you have an umlaut? You know, Over the U. audio umlaut, is it a pronunciation? How do you pronounce it? Oh, but when we write it out. All right. Note to self. Mm-hmm. Tyler Wells. It's context. I've known Tyler since we were little, little things. I want this story. Running around, skateboarding. Yeah, where did we meet? I think it, it came through... Our friends at the BC Surf and Sport in Westminster, yeah. the Westies as we called them. Really? Yeah, which is funny because you had you had a West Highland Terrier named after the leader turned rat for the famous gang from Hell's Kitchen, really? Francis Mickey Featherstone. <laughs> Francis Mickey Featherstone. Yeah. So we Look met. Up. We met through that, and then you just kind of were hanging around. The interesting thing was, is this was back in the era of the Southside Church of Billy D. Kind of coming out of that because we'd all, a lot of us had moved out of Littleton. We yeah. were drinking a lot of 40 ounces. A lot about this. So many 40s. Being real dirt bags. And Tyler, <laughs> at the time, Tyler did not drink. But he would still come hang around and just really think, reinforce his decision. Like, yeah, this is exactly why I don't drink. Look at these idiots. <laughs> sort of a scared straight program. <laughs> it was. It kind of functioned in that manner. <laughs> but he lived right up the road. By, he had a little place. So I'd go up there sometimes if I needed sanctuary. Oh, it was wonderful. Oh, we had nice times. We did. And we had a ramp in the backyard. Oh, so we're talking so middle middle school, high school? No, no, no. This is lower school. Collegiate. This is 1996, oh. 7, yeah. 8. You guys are fully grown adults. Yeah. But still kind of men children. Yeah. In that, still. In that modern sense. One of you grew up. Not it. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. 
But yeah, okay. we used to skateboard in the backyard. It was a nice mini ramp. It had very little flat bottom. It was so fast. So only a few people could skate it. So when like really good skaters would come over, like sponsored skaters, shop skaters, they'd come over and then they couldn't skate it. And then we'd all feel like hot shit because we could skateboard on it. So that was exciting. One of my favorite ramps of all time. <clears throat> it was amazing. I had so much fun on that Do you thing. know the whole story behind that ramp? No, I was there for it, but I don't remember it. Well, two of our roommates got it from a, a guy who had died. His wife, he was a carpenter. He was doing something in his kitchen with chemicals. I don't know. And something blew up and he flew through the window and died on his backyard ramp. Whoa. Gasped his last breath. And his wife knew so one of our roommates and was like, he would want someone to take this and skate it. That's right. So we took it, but it didn't fit in our backyard. Our backyard was little, so we had to cut out all the flat bottoms. So it was just like a U. It filled the entire backyard, every millimeter of it. But what and about that story? I think that's true. Well, I, I do. I remember it vaguely. It was Dave, right? Dave knew his it, wife. I think it was Chris Bath. Mm. Yuck. It's just not so many stories. His house. Okay. Sorry. Blade, as, as he prefers to be known. <laughs> Is that true? Yes. Is he still around? Uh, I think he's a truck driver now. That sounds right. Um... He was with us the day I crushed my balls on that handrail. Were you there that day? I don't remember seeing your balls crushed. Oh my God, you don't? There were Polaroids of it. <laughs> Where did that happen? Check it the was website. Some, there was some flat rail in Capitol Hill, and it was a very short runway, and I just got set up wrong, and my front foot came off, and just square balls, ass, Oof. inner thigh. God. I, I had to, to go heal? to your house and lay on the couch for about four hours because I was That just... I remember. I think I do remember you laying on the couch. Frozen peas. Oh, there was a bruise that big. That kind of went on your balls? From my ball. <laughs> yeah, it covered half of them. <laughs> balls from the size my, of the dinner plate. From wow. my balls all the way down, like the inside of my leg. Oh, it was horrible. And so at the time, that would have taken you out of commission as a bike messenger for a couple of days, right? Yeah, but I wasn't a bike messenger. I was an auto mechanic. Can okay. we do that real quick? Yeah, when I met Tyler. The bio? Yeah, so he was, he he's born West Virginia. Hey! True yeah. story. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I grew up in Virginia. Yeah, Arlington. It's very different than West Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, we didn't own slaves. That's probably the number one difference, right? Uh, uh, so, at some big point. Big town or small town? Small, small town. town. Are, what's the one big town? Charleston. Charleston, Huntington, Morgantown. Oh, would wow. be your sort of commerce centers. Morgantown has the university. Other than that. I don't know the answer to the question, which is, when did you move to Greeley? Ooh. Age 14 and three quarters. Okay. So you lived in Greeley for a while before Where, I met you. When yeah. I met Tyler, he was finishing uh, up at Rocky Mountain well, Automotive and Diesel College. De- uh, play some respect, Denver Automotive and Diesel College. See, I knew I'd get it wrong. <laughs> You were just finishing up when I met you, and then you worked at an Audi dealership as a mechanic, and then at some point, you became a bike messenger. I worked at a Porsche dealer, a Porsche place for about 16 days before the guy asked me if I had some kind of learning disability that I thought he should know about. (laughs) And then I went in. Things. (laughs) And then I went to the Audi dealership and learned a little bit about how to work and... And then you became a bike messenger. Well, I got a question, like family, because what's the connection between West Virginia and Greeley? Um, I'm guessing dad's job. That's a great guess, but you're wrong. Okay. So my folks split up when I was very young. It was amicable. My dad moved to 
three blocks down the same street in West Virginia. And then both my folks got remarried. My mom married her college sweetheart, whom she had left to marry my dad. And then when she and my dad got divorced, she married her college sweetheart. Mm. He proposed with the original ring. It's highly romantic. Wow. That's pretty sweet. And he was headquartered in Greeley. And so off to Greeley. Did off you... to Greeley. And we had family in Fort Collins, which I, I came every summer growing up. So you were familiar with the area. Was Greeley a bigger town than where you'd grown up? Mm-hmm. Town I grew up in had 6,500 people. Mm. So it was decidedly Cosmo. Well, and the smell, there's the famous Greeley smell. Still Greeley. So. Yeah, we still smell it. All right. That was an interruption. That's fine. I'm used to it. You were, um, you were on, on track. Sort of. I mean, then he, he was bi- a bike messenger for a while. I think Greg, did anyone, our friend Greg, who we've talked about on the podcast, was a bike messenger with Tyler. Mm-hmm. Rain or shine, they were up on their bikes. Or snow. Or snow. Yeah. I remember seeing you guys go they to work in to... some of the worst fucking weather. That's it... why you hate winter here is because of that. No, that was fun. I hated winter before that, but oh, okay. it was kind of fun taking on Mother Nature mm-hmm. and dominating her. There's something very macho, but also <laughs> elegant about bike messaging. It sounds like a f- modern food manufacturer. <laughs> Um, that's a poignant. Yeah. And so then from from Denver, you moved to Austin. Uh, yeah. And then your bike messaging there. Denver, from Denver, I moved to Pittsburgh. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, from Denver, I moved to North Carolina because I hated the winter. I moved to the coast, Wilmington. Yeah. And I was working for the Greek mafia, but under the guise of repairing cars in a shop that didn't do any business. Holy shit. See, um, I had no idea about this. Oh, I know, I've never this told you about Gus. No, this sliver of your life is brand new to me. We have time for a story. What time is it? My watch says it's 6.59 a.m. and it hasn't moved in hours. It is 9.35. Okay. That's Stories are better than the news anyway. So. Oh, perfect. So I worked um, at a place called Tony's Foreign Auto Center, and it was about... T-Fac. It's about 12,000 square feet, and there were three mechanics. Me, uh, a guy named Steve, who was just like a good old boy from the country in North Carolina, but spoke a fair amount of Greek. And then Gus, Singelis, something, something. Gus was about about Mark's height, and I'm guess 6'2". 6'3". 6'4"? Between 3 and 4. Wow, Abe Lincoln over here. Yeah. Um, weight? Huh? Guess the weight. Guess the weight. It doesn't matter because Gus was your height and about 140 pounds. Ooh, I he got He had that a big tuck. nose and a mustache. He's probably 44 at the time. And uh, <clears throat> these guys were like, you know, didn't really like outsiders, but they took a shine to me for some reason. I was just a dumb kid. They thought you were special. <laughs> Maybe. Let's take this poor boy right. Well, Gus was kind of straight off the boat from Greece. He was a really good mechanic, but what I came to learn is that every day by noon, Gus was too drunk to work. And so he he would make me drive him to lunch. He would make me go get, he had this heavy, heavy Greek accent. And what I I finally figured it out was why, like why he's always going to lunch with Steve or never drives himself anywhere. And then I realized, oh, he's shit-faced. At least he's making a responsible choice. Getting through life. Oh, I think, yeah, yeah, that's... Not well. Both of those are true, I guess. That that was a responsible... Yeah. Well, have someone drive But he around. used to yell at me from 100 feet away in the shop. I should be working on something. And he would just go, hey, dealer! <laughs> and I would say, yeah, yeah, Gus. And he would say, 
go fuck yourself, motherfucker. And they would just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And that would happen oh, you know, every 12 minutes for the entire day. What a special relationship. Yeah. And then they really liked me, I think. He would say, dealer. Yeah, Gus. Go get me six-pack, motherfucker. Ooh. All right. All right, Gus. Give me some money. And you just laugh. He said, you pay for it, asshole. I have to go buy him a six-pack. I think since you and Gus are the same height, that should be your new tagline. What was it? Go, go pay for it, asshole? You pay for it, asshole. You pay for it, asshole. That's my tagline? Yeah. For what? Just for any situation. Every time you're at a dinner. No, just on the mic. When someone says something that you don't like, be like, you pay for it, asshole. With a client. Oh, with a client. You pay for it, asshole. Check shows up. Yeah. Look at the the waiter. Look at the client. You pay for it, asshole. (laughs) Go (laughs) Go give me a six-pack, motherfucker. Go fuck yourself, motherfucker. Consulting 101 here. (laughs) Yep. So So then then you should go organic, not natural. Go fuck yourself, motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. So then to Pittsburgh... Culinary yeah, so, school? Um, Ooh. I was a mechanic in Pittsburgh also at a Volkswagen dealer, and I was just not happy. And uh, I was complaining, and I made some offhand remark, like, I, this, I'm sick of this shit. I'm going to go to culinary school. And this guy that worked next to me named Jeremy Jockel, with the, just the heaviest Pittsburgh accent <laughs> available, <laughs> was just like, oh, yeah, my dad's a dean over there. I'll call him. Oh. <laughs> So he called his dad, and I went over there and uh, signed up. Did you complete the course? I did. Second in my class. Nice. How long was the program? Who was first? Uh, Bobby Flay? No, a girl yeah. named Awen. E-O, I don't know, it's named, she's named after Lord of the Rings, so yeah. she still got the short Awen, end of the yeah. stick. She's probably listening. Hi, Awen. I think that's right Hope anyway. you're doing well. Um, it was very close, but... Uh, yeah, it's it 16 like months, it. like a standard culinary school. In and I think I was living in something. Chicago at the time, and that's when you would, you came yeah. and visited me a few times. We had some wonderful brunches. We did, flying saucer. Yeah, so we even though we weren't seeing each food. other a lot, we were, we were, we were remaining close. Mm-hmm. Cleansing? Were we cleansing together? That was just you and your other Uh, I did cleanse in Chicago. Okay. I tried to do the master cleanse once in Chicago with Nicole. She'd never done it before. We made it about eight hours. I'm like, this is stupid. That's pretty good. But back with the boys, the Southside Church of Billy D. Oh, boys. Sorry. Do you remember when we were doing that cleanse? I don't know what that is. Oh, sorry. That was <laughs> yeah, the, just the... Don't Greg, go down the road. Greg and those dirt bags. Oh, yeah. You remember when we did the master cleanse? Not really. Okay. I tuned out of most of the stuff you guys did. <laughs> Probably yeah, was. I had like a... I had, it was on like a schedule. Like I would come and hang out until 8 p.m. Yeah. And that was the latest I would be around. That was a good time uh, to get out. Listeners mm-hmm. can refer to previous episodes for Episode the rest of that 10 story. Would be the one yeah. to really fill you in on the Southside Church ability. So Pittsburgh, then to Austin. Pittsburgh to Denver. To Denver. I wanted to cook itinerant. Rent. Rent. Yeah. Let me see where see what I figured out. So then you came here to cook at the Brown Palace. Correct. Okay. Oh. Got it. Didn't like that. No, sir. What didn't you like about working in a kitchen? Well, I didn't like working in that kitchen because it was under the city, and it was depressing. Yeah, it's in a basement for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, winter. It gets dark early in the winter. How long are you going to keep me here? Because I could do an hour in a basement, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm saying the basement's 60 fine. 60 hours a week, maybe not as uh, much. Yeah, well, this is a this basement has uh, character. It's decorated somewhat. There's not a bunch of fucking pans of frozen food. What are you looking at? Just, I'm letting him... Keep talking. Story. There was a story underway. Yeah. Um, we should speed it up. <laughs> From there to, I just needed a change. I was 
cold and depressed, so I moved to Austin, sight unseen, and was in Austin for seven years. And, and this, this is, is where the entrepreneurial the spirit comes, right? What? Am I right? Is this where you start figuring out how to be an entrepreneur? Well, yeah. I mean, hmm. yes. Because you, you work I for started. a bike messaging company. You, mm-hmm. you watched what they were failing to do right. Mm-hmm. Then started everything. your own company. Did everything the right way. Or most things the right way. More things? More things the right way. Some things? Some things the right way. And then you pull over all the best riders because they want to come work for you. Mm. Then you sell that messaging company back to the people you used to work for, right? Ouch. That's Do I good. have that right? That is correct. See, that is drop, mic drop. Don't drop that mic, though. But that's pretty good. Well, proof you did it right. Something yeah, right. That's more right. Some right. But that's the seed, right? Because you don't, you, don't, you don't like working for people. You like being in charge. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. No, like, that's true. I'm a very bad employee. Nothing wrong with that. No. I nothing, had a taste of that. Nothing wrong with it once you've figured out and embrace it and, and use it to your advantage. If you continue to just be a bad employee to people, then... Well, if you're a bad employee mine, who doesn't have uh, means or ambitions, then you might A friend have of mine said problems. to me when I was leaving... Uh, Where were you leaving? New Hope. Okay. Oh, God, I set it up like to be a profound thing, and now I forgot what he said. It was sort of uh, like, uh, we all, you're, you're working for, you, we're all working for ourselves. Some of us just don't know it yet. Ooh. Wow. That's, you can use that title of your book. <laughs> no? That would be all the right. goal, I think, to, to, to find a, a situation where you can work for yourself, sure. be yourself, and not have to do that weird some people are happy, though. That's true. Yeah. Nobody's Being happy. an entrepreneur, it ain't for, ever, ain't for everyone. I'm a, just men in general. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm content. How are you feeling? Yeah, pretty good. So then after that... It's not Saturday, is it? Stint in commercial real estate. Didn't what? like that at all. And uh, then... Yeah, that doesn't fit the construction. Program. Oh, construction. Oh. Yeah, I wanted to be a real estate developer. Um, so I got a job with a developer and ended up on the construction side of the business, which was... Hands down, the worst job I ever had, but turned out to be some equitable skills. And then you're talking to a friend who's got like a coffee thing going, right? Sure. Needed yeah. a manager. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I did that, and I thought, well, if we're going to run a coffee shop, somebody should probably know about coffee. So I took, I went to Houston to take a class about coffee. At uh, Cuvée Coffee, product placement. Cuvée is great. Um, Sponsor next episode. Yeah. Reasonable rate. He's the first guy that uh, did nitro cold brew in a can. Mm. Brilliant. You don't like cold brew? I love cold brew. In a can. In a can from From Cuvée Cuvée. Coffee. (laughs) Um, But anyway, it just, it blew my mind. Just every, like... I had no idea what went into any aspect or every aspect of coffee. It was kind of overwhelming, and it was kind of the size of projects that I wanted to sort of wrap my head around and get very good at. Now, when was this? Like, I'm I'm trying to connect it to the massive coffee awareness and culture. I'm going to call it 2006. Oh. Maybe 2007. So Starbucks is here. Oh, Starbucks, Starbucks is, is here. a big deal. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was drinking 
mostly white chocolate mochas at the time. Interesting. Life goes in circles. You're back to those now? Oh, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> <clears throat> he held up his coffee. No, yeah, he did. Yep. So then, then to Intelligentsia? Uh, I, I bounced around Austin a lot trying to find, trying to do something, trying to work at good shops, um, just trying to get experience. I did a little of the barista competition. Uh, I ran a coffee program at a place called Frank, which was the first intelligentsia account in Texas. We did a really good job and got a little bit of recognition. So I wound up going from there to Los Angeles and opening intelligentsia in Pasadena. Was there for a year and then just, um, it was just time. You know, I sort of made a, didn't sort of, I made a promise to myself that that would be, if, if that wasn't my career path, that would be my last job where I ever worked for anyone else. Mm. So left there in April 2011 with Mike and Chris and started Handsome. And we launched Handsome kind of in that summer, opened the retail store the following February 2012. Did it for a couple years. And... It was acquired by Blue Bottle, at which point I just started doing some consulting work, and it's been a lot of fun. There you go. Yeah, but see, I think there's there's projects under the consulting umbrella that are meaningful. They aren't just like a client here or there. I'm thinking of Black Top, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking of something else yeah. that I was snooping around or Oh, he did a little research. Good sleuthing. So I like how he just let the research good. drizzle out too. He's not walloping us with research. What else you Ten got in the canon? Sure. <laughs> well, I think what I like about consulting is I'm very much a startup guy. I'd get very bored with day to day operations. I'm not exceptional at doing it, probably because I find it to be a little mundane. Hmm. So it's it's been really rewarding to help people realize their dreams and to help keep them out of trouble. And, and I like helping people. I like making things better. I like project-based things. And I have a very unique skill set because of all the harebrained uh, career paths I've tried to take. But, you know, I understand construction better than most. I understand food. I understand, you know, restaurant operations. I understand a lot of things that generally are not associated with the skill set of a coffee operator or coffee startup yeah see it gets after a while butt starts to get a little sore yeah well i'll tell you what's our job we've got here so i hear i got to be fly on the wall to one of tyler's calls yesterday and i sense that there's like this nice convergence you say you're a startup guy and then i also run a a ux magazine where we talk a lot about experience and and Uh, storytelling this is a startup and this This. natch natchcast startup it's all startups but I, i like this convergence where you have kind of the, the hospitality and the food industry coming yeah. in and merging with some of the ideas from the tech industry. Well, that's what Talking I'm about telling your story. <clears throat> that's what I'm trying Everyone's to get experience. a handle on. It's sort of, I do some consulting and things, but you know, that, that can mean a lot of different things. And I'm thinking what you just said, the confluence of these different skill sets. It's like, I want, I have an idea to create this kind of coffee experience. Get Tyler. Mm-hmm. He can help us with pretty much every decision we have to make along the way. Sure, Tyler, Klondike 5, 555, 
That's not a real number. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I I used to try to do like scope based. Like, I'll help you with training. I'll help you with whatever. And what I realized is the value is because I have such a sort of. You should be on retainer, right? Like definitely on retainer, and just people can just call call. me. You got a broad experience. I do. I I do a lot of just counseling. Like, isn't that? But that's weird because I I'm I'm working toward that more. It's more project based. This is fascinating for for <laughs> food companies trying to figure stuff out. It's that's that's the way to do it though. There's a there's a <clears throat> secret operational s- smart decision made there. Well, it came out of necessity because you know part of it is this is not it's not about money. It's about I found something that I really love doing and it's such a, I think it's a big value for people in the right context. And it's not, you know, my, what I do is not a fit for everybody, but for the fit, the people that it's a fit for, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, I have such a complimentary skill set to someone who just has raised some money or is in the process of raising money to open the business. And I, because I've done it and I've made a lot of mistakes and done a lot of things wrong. So you can just kind of highlights the path to, to doing things right. Um, and we're but in a culture now where pe- people embrace failure, they're not afraid of it as much as it used to be, or is that? No, is there's that still, everyone's still afraid of it. Everyone's lying. Failing is scary to a lot of people. Um, especially if you've raised a bunch of money. Sure. Yeah, that sucks. I mean, it sucks anyway, but of course there's always a learning lesson. I think it's best to work for or with someone else who fails and then just take that information and go and not fail. So do you as you as you move forward, is coffee always gonna remain the center of of who you are and what you do, or do you think you know you're you're kind of it, hop you like to hopscotch a little bit? Do you think maybe yeah. branding's gonna take over in your mind and your heart? I mean maybe. It, I really like coffee. I really like it's a young industry and there's a lot of opportunity and there's a ton of money going into it right now. So <clears throat> there's big opportunity for it to grow in any number of ways. It's sort of it's an entirely new era all of a sudden where I do a lot of consulting work for like equity funds and firms with money mm-hmm. who are looking at doing something big or putting some money into something big. And I have phone calls with these people who just have no idea. That's exactly right. But see that, do you mind if I dig into the weeds there? No. Because that kind of stuff I do, and I don't find it as rewarding as, you know, you've found clients who are willing to go, I want to be able to pick up the phone and call you and have you guide me through this whole journey, which is not kind of like a, I've got X dollars to spend. I need to know exactly what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. So that's the work that I think would be fun. That's the work I prefer. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is informative for me just to see kind of what the what the perspective is, what the thoughts are from somebody who manages a big fund mm-hmm. and where they think there's value. It's, and it's shocking really interesting. how little they know. It is truly shocking. <laughs> the, do- and like the more dollars involved, the less they know. It's literally like, tell me about this category. Go ahead. Whatever. And people want to do it in an hour call. Yeah. And it's a, it's always, it, it always makes me feel crazy because we bounce from sourcing to service to cost of goods to just things that 
I think if you're even thinking about dipping a toe in this industry, you just should have a, a cursory understanding of what a mar- what the margin needs to be. You know, what's a basic financial outlook for an operator. But mm-hmm. you know, where everyone or where most people are looking at this from a large investment standpoint is, can I invest in a brand? It's a, kind of the VC model. Can I invest in a brand, scale it? Obviously. I don't know that anyone's going to say it out loud, but you know we're going to cut cut costs and subsequent quality. But there's a real sweet spot where you can open. You know, I think you can open 20 stores before anyone notices that mm. it's kind of not there's the same. magic numbers in every industry. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Food, I think, it's 20 million in sales. <clears throat> what if happens get, at 20 million? You can kind of decide your own fate. Okay. Do I want to raise more money and grow faster? Do I want to exit to a private equity firm do i want to sell it a strategic buyer like nestle 20 million i'd say it's a, say it's a similar got, number yeah. i mean co- retail and coffee is is it's restaurant margins across mm-hmm. the board but a much mm-hmm. lower price point mm. getting so. real nuts and bolts here <laughs> yeah. what about coffee are you concerned for the future of coffee given like climate change and drought Coffee's like a pretty. Oh wait, I got a. Re- oh sorry. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you just? <laughs> sorry. It's kind of I a delicate crop. Oh, I've been again, for months to ask. Go ahead. Uh, that's a yeah. It's a delicate, delicate plant, right? In the it requires. Absolutely, yeah. And the hardier it, is the robust of the hardier, and that's not yeah, as good, right? It's not. No, we don't talk about that. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's a huge concern. All of it. I mean, it's it's not a perfect. It's not even a necessarily good system. There are a lot of really great people working really hard to make it better, but it's barely sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's definitely not equitable. It's not fair across the supply chain. And people are working hard to do that, but there's some, you know, climate's a huge challenge. Water's a huge challenge. Disease is a huge challenge. Fungus and leaf rust and problems there. And um, you, you just can't be nimble. You can't react quickly if you don't have any money or any backing in, on that side of the business, on the growing and producing side of the business. So it's tough. Let's do it in Walmarts. Vertical yeah, farm. Can coffee be grown in Can we indoors, figure this out? Underground. Indoor facilities. I mean, I... Tube stick. <clears throat> hydro. Hydronic coffee. I suppose coffee. you can... Yeah, I mean, you can go one row right? of hydro coffee, run uh, one I row mean, of hydro weed. Similar to wine, and if anyone who likes coffee is listening to this, they're going to cringe, but, you know, it has to do with, with soil and climate and <sighs> wind and diurnal temperatures, Terroir. so I don't know about that, but, yeah, there's a lot of considerations outside of just making sure it gets sun and water. So it's like, you know, you, coffee plants need to be toughened up. So you want them to struggle a little bit. I bet you there's a food tech angle. Somebody's working on a way to control <clears throat> that growing process. Let's do it. Oh, I'm in. You're in. We've launched it. Well, mm-hmm. ideate coffee mm-hmm. tech. Who what knows anything call, about indoor farming? Every, oh, how hard could it be? How can we get an umlaut in there? Yep. You may not like umlauts. Oh, he probably doesn't. I can tell. Out he's of actually this little good triumvirate, at branding. He's going to get to make most of the decisions. <laughs> he's he's got the, the better brain. Well. So, are you ready for my... This is going to blow your mind. Decaf. <laughs> Ever since we've, we've talked about having Tyler on the show, that's all he's wanted to know yeah. about is decaf. Well, Kirkland has the best. <laughs> <laughs> Good. 
I want to know what's wrong with it. Nothing's wrong with it. Okay. You don't drink it if you're serious about coffee. Well, if you can't have caffeine, you do. Yeah, late at night. Yeah. If I want after dinner, late there's at some. Night. There are some my lovely decaffeinated coffees available. And they they use some chemical mess to make that happen. Yeah, there's there's two ways to do it. The kind of preferred method is a water process, which Ooh. I could explain to you, but I would get it wrong. Hmm. Um, the short answer is you soak the coffee in water, leaches out the caffeine. You that sounds natural. Remove the coffee. Do you get the caffeine out of the water? Rehydrate it. Yeah. Yep, and that's kind of the preferred um, method. There's another method that um, you can Google real quick and edit this. It's uh, ethyl acetate, I think. Mm. It's a chemical, and I, I think it, in my experience, it actually um, co- decaffeinated coffee tastes a little better. People are scared of it because it has a it has a chemical sounding name, but you get a, you get a pretty tasty decaf out of it. Well, it wasn't part of your question mark is that you had heard that it was cancer causing? Well, there's a chemical involved in maybe is that sort of the, the, that he's talking the about? mainstream approach versus the small <clears throat> batch? Who knows? I don't know. You don't know. Yeah. Through the internet? I, I, decaf. Um, yeah, well, the, here, here's your biggest challenge with decaf. So you can take, you know, you don't grow decaffeinated coffee. You take a coffee and have it decaffeinated and that costs money. So most people don't. <clears throat> buy an extremely high-quality coffee and then have it decaffeinated. Most people buy pretty low-quality coffee and have it decaffeinated, so you're starting with lesser ingredients. So there are a couple of roasters out there that have decafs that you maybe wouldn't know the difference. You definitely wouldn't know the difference with the way you make coffee. Don't look at Mark and say that. <laughs> what about what about hey, a genetically modified coffee? Wait, hold on. Coffee let, me, like, that's let me wrap this up in a bow. Oh, Food tech. So this is um, uh, this is Wikipedia. <laughs> Sometimes coffees that are decaffeinated use ethyl acetate. Nailed it. Uh, using that are referred to as naturally processed because ethyl acetate can be derived from various fruits or vegetables. But because of the impracticality of gathering natural ethyl acetate, the ethyl acetate used for decaffeination is synthetic. All right. So that's where now you know butts against the natural. Foods industry, probably, for sure. Yeah. They're scared of science. They would want the naturally decaffeinated. It might be a niche market. It's a big market. All right. Water process. Swiss Water Process is the is the big brand behind it, and they're a great company. They're based out of Vancouver, maybe. Let's I just want to know if it's okay it. to drink decaf. It's okay to fine. drink... It's okay to drink good decaf. It's not okay to drink Kirkland decaf. Yeah, was that bag that you sent a picture of? Was that from the, your house? Yeah, that's right. It's Kirkland the same. Signature. It's the same problem with anything like coffee that coffee or tomatoes or anything that's not grown responsibly is probably not I'm as sure good for you as something that fair trade language on the back of that bag. Yeah, but fair trade. Right. I mean, is that dubious? I, I'm no expert, but fair trade doesn't address quality in in coffee. So you can buy a mm-hmm. sort of actively bad tasting coffee that's fair trade certified and still verifiable price to the co-op. And a lot of good comes from it. But I tend to, and, and people in my sort of sect of the industry tend to focus on quality first. And and 99 times out of 100, what comes with quality is the commitment to responsibly farming and treating mm-hmm. workers and 
Does organic mean much to you on a on a bag of coffee? No. Next question. <laughs> Just curious. In terms uh, of if you're a coffee farmer in Honduras, you probably don't have the money to right to become organically certified. And if you did, <clears throat> if I'm a coffee buyer, I would rather you take that five grand or whatever it costs and improve your drying beds or improve whatever it is. You know, whatever it is that's more pressing than an organic certification that at the end of the day, we all know what it means. Non-GMO? Everything. That doing anything for you? No. Okay. <laughs> SMO? Well, I guess that's the one thing about it being kind of a, a boutique industry in some ways is that you can, like, buyers aren't going to want to buy shitty stuff. That is, well, some you buyers can, are, but in, but if in but my... But if you go to, like, a nice place, you can... You can probably reasonably His clientele that, probably not interested in the yeah, lower end of the market. They don't want the sprayed shit because you spray shit on shit, it's going to taste like shit. Truer words have never <laughs> been spoken. <laughs> All right. And I, this this might be awkward because it's talking about clients, but there's I'm guessing those are two clients then, Blacktop and Pen Pal. Yeah, Pen Pal. But are they like <clears throat> meaty clients? Seems mm-hmm. like you're all in there, kind of. Yeah. So Blacktop. Yep, is um, Blacktop is what I did after Handsome. And you're kind of the river guide there? You're like, this exactly. is how we're going to... Yeah. River guide, I like that. Uh, yeah, new business Use card. that with a banker. Some some of them know that term. Okay, I will. Um, and then I want to put 100 million in coffee. I need a river guide. Oh, Ooh, man. It's evocative <laughs> for coffee, too. Called yeah. Tyler. Where'd you... You found Pen Pal on the internet? Mm-hmm. Impressive. Um, it's a pro. Pen pal is so. This is this thing that happens in in coffee when you're a roaster, and we experience this at Handsome, and I think a lot of people I know are struggling with it. You, there's several ways to say this. There's the old ten pounds of shit in a five pound bag analogy. There's a square peg round hole. Basically, everyone in the high end of coffee is chasing the same hundredth of a percent of business, right? Every Reputable coffee shop in America is getting solicited by every reputable roaster in America, and there's just not enough business to go around. It's extremely competitive landscape, and it's as a roaster, it's nearly impossible to make money. You know, it's definitely a a coffee like a cafe owner's market because they can pick and choose and price compete if they want to and play people against each other. It's just a low margin, cutthroat business, and it sucks. It's just sucks to be in. I didn't care for it at all. Um, but where there's a huge opportunity for a roaster to make money is to sell coffee that's not really that good. Not that good. Still good, mm-hmm. right? There's this huge gap between Kirkland Coffee and Starbucks, I'll use, and say, you know, Blue Bottle or Intelligentsia or La Colombe, any of the big, any of the big boys. In the middle of that is the world right and no one has really seized and owned that opportunity to say well i'm gonna i'm gonna roast just good coffee for places for hotels that need banquet coffee that's not fussy that's not this nuanced high acid fickle coffee um i'm gonna roast coffee at retail that if someone's taking coffee to their parents or to their grandparents that they're gonna like you know, I brought you a bag of that Kenya from Middle State, which I think is a is an exceptional coffee, but all of our parents would hate it. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's just such a mm. such a niche coffee. 
and no one's really embracing that middle sector of the market. So, where was I going with that? Is that are, you, are you headed there? Pen pal. Uh, no, not pen pal. So I actually started Black a company top. a while back uh, called Secret Coffee that does white label spec coffee roasting. You've had some. I have had, had some. the DFE we should, private We should do a roast. Natch line. A Natch line of coffee? Mm-hmm. We could. Mm-hmm. Let's get some money coming in okay. first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the idea was a couple things. You have all these places out there that are kind of brands first and products second. So if you are some hot shit brand and you've got you've built a space whether it's retail or cafe or whatever and you've got your own aesthetic and your own identity and you've thought through every decision well, then it comes to like well what are we going to do for coffee and you've got to scroll through people's coffee bags and corporate ethos and think well now who do we want we're basically co-branding right and and people are getting a lot better at understanding storytelling and branding so there was this opportunity to give people basically be a virtual roaster meet with people and identify Mm -hmm. coffees and roast profiles and taste profiles and then have them create their own packaging and you basically have your own coffee brand without spending half a million dollars and in most cases roasting bad coffee for a long time while you figure out what the hell you're doing because it's also very hard to roast coffee so from that that's that's the early consulting days but they're, they're the bread and butter now even that was alongside consulting. These were kind of two different operations. And from that came Pen Pal because I'm, at heart, I'm still kind of a coffee nerd. I am definitely have evolved. I'm more of like an experience and hospitality nerd, but I still really do like coffee and I like it. I like a specific kind of coffee that's not for everyone. It's that really kind of high end, very interesting, um, you know, fussy coffee. I don't know where it's going. Pen pal. Pen pal. Pen pal. You want other is. people to enjoy it too. Yeah, so... Um, he was dreaming just, about the coffee. It was. It was. It's it just so a 90-minute pen pal advertisement here. <laughs> so <clears throat> one of the guys I worked with is named Matt Borg, and he just left L.A. and moved to Vermont, and he lives in a yurt with his beautiful wife. Uh, she's in a farming program at UVM in Montpelier, which is... You guys should have her on the show. <laughs> okay. You should have him on the show also if you want to talk Europe. about coffee. All right. Um, anyway, so I started roasting and mailing him coffee to help with quality control and buying and stuff. And all of a sudden we had this really this really romantic cross-country coffee-based relationship. And it, it was like, oh, shit, we, are, we really are pen pals. We're like having this relationship through the mail. So... Um, he and I and a friend of mine who I've worked with for a long time, who's also really great at branding, named Scandia, started Pen Pal, which is mm. just a subscription coffee company where we intend to choose really great coffees and roast them and then send you a bunch of shit in the mail like a Pen Pal would. And it lets oh, you keep so your own experience the... aspect of things, too. Exactly. And also boxing the... a little experience for them. Yeah. The coffee, um, I've been so pleased with the coffees, but it really is about... I get a lot of mail and most of it sucks. It's bills or menacing letters from the government or and yes. California is a horrible place to do business. So, it, you know, two days a week, it's some bill from a made up um, agency that wants to, you know, tire tread tax or f- f- franchise licensing inventory fee. It's like Monopoly. 
You want better mail. <clears throat> yeah, so it'd be just nice to get <clears throat> something nice in the mail that you can look forward to. When I was away at college in Alamosa, well, Adam State College. Every... Well, this is before that. Oh. I'm just thinking back here. There was a Matt member Borgs. of the Southside Church of Billy D. Tyler <sighs> knows him. His name is Brandon. Oh. He has, he's kind of a music snob. Always has been, but he would. We'd send each other mixtapes and little letters, and he, we both were like writing a lot of poetry at the time too. So we were sending poetry, and I mean, I looked forward to those letters more than just about anything else in the world. That's I'd, a great. I'd open it. There was a nice letter. He'd sometimes send pictures of the the people drinking forties. <laughs> I'd listen to the tape, and then I'd craft my response. It was wonderful, that, and that that's an experience that's all but disappeared. Even just the letter writing aspect of it. So I think it's good that you, you found a way to bring something old-fashioned front and center and package it in a very modern way. Thank you. Create that dialogue. Well, it I, seems like a simple model. It is. It's it's all about a, a engaging brand that you'd like to get in the mail and then it, sending them good stuff. You know, it's just it's just pure. It's ex- extremely genuine. We all, I really just value the experience if you live in... Davenport, Iowa, you maybe don't have a local shop that has great coffee. Even if you do, sometimes it's nice to not have to drive and get coffee and to just know it shows up at your house. But it's also like, I get toilet paper in the mail from Amazon and it's still like, oh, I got a package. <laughs> That's not a <laughs> fucking bill. I wonder if it's people that are going to just sort of, we'll find out, right? But they sign up to subscribe for well, themselves I'll, I'll or sell if it's you to the, a friend. I'll sell you the customer list if that's what this is about. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there a way for the, the pen pals to then write back to you in a sense? Sure. Is that part of the experience? If they'd like. Yeah. We, we would do love it that. Netflix style. You put a, a self-addressed little envelope you in You do that, that on Instagram or you text? Just text Sassy? Self-addressed stamped envelope. Oh, I thought you meant the magazine. I was like, wow, a copy of Sassy goes in there? I've been stockpiling. to go? Yeah, he probably has to go catch his plane. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. We'll get to the news after this. Yeah. Short break. We'll thank Tyler then. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Tyler. Come back in Thanks a for having me. I could do this all day. Yeah, I wish we could. Okay. Yep. We're back. Thank you, Tyler. Man, we uh, we went balls deep on coffee. We did. And Tyler. I feel like even neglected in 45 minutes, you, scratched the, you barely scratched the surface of Tyler Wells. We're just starting to get somewhere, yeah. Yeah. So we'll get him back on. He's a Natch rancher, closely aligned with the uh, project underfoot. Big believer. Should Could, we do some news? He wouldn't stop talking about it all weekend. Oh, you and Tyler hanging out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good times. Just making ceviche. <laughs> Grilling greens. Drinking fussy coffee. Yeah, drinking wine. We drink some wine. I wish I, maybe, that's uh, probably obnoxious, right? If you're Tyler, I come. I should have come over like, oh, I want some coffee, man. Pour me a sweet-ass cup of coffee. No, he likes making coffee for people. Oh. Maybe, well, he likes making coffee for me and Nicole. I don't know if he likes making coffee. For the, for the Gilded quantity. Insider. <laughs> right. I'm working my way in. Let's do some news. All right. Hood juice. Hood juice. This is a great story. Well, let me set it up for you. Please do. Watch Jada Kiss. And Styles P introduced their new juice bar, Juices for Life, Danielle Galartha, Eater.com. Quote, when rappers juice, oh, that was the subhead, when rappers juice. Juices for Life is a new juice bar in the Bronx, but most people don't know that rappers, Jada Kiss and Styles P, the locks, Def Jam, in Peren, are behind the venture. Our juice bars are open in the hoods on purpose to educate our people on health awareness. Build it and they will come. 
Most of the hood don't have access to good food. Most of the hood don't have health insurance. Sad but true. Also sad, I, don't, I do not know who Judicus is or Styles P. Jadakus. Jadakus. Yeah, that's telling. Jadakus. I'm guessing Jada. I think it's Gattaca, no, Jadaka. Jada. I'm not guessing. I know these things. You know who J- Jadakus is? <laughs> Can you sing a little bit? Kind of like your Kendrick no, Lamar, no, Jack? No, 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 no. All right, but this is great news. Everyone should be getting juice. This is one of the Food most access. interesting complaints that I hear you hear levied against Whole Foods. And Whole it, Foods does seem to get the brunt of it. Yeah, just because they, they price out a lot of people. Land of the market, everybody can't get to it, and that's why they want to do the 365 stores. Yeah, because everyone should have access to decent food. Yes, it's a right. It's and a that, right. I'm telling you. Not a privilege. The whole natural food industry is, is hip to this. Huh? Hip hop? <laughs> See what I did? They, that, that was not all that that's, seamless. That's, that's terrible. Um, but they get it. And they know that the as they go broad, as they land in Walmart, Target, etc., as they get more and more people interested that aren't in Boulder, uh, Austin, Texas, or Berkeley, they've got to address this accessibility challenge. And, and it's like, you know what? Maybe they're not the ones that do it. Maybe it's Jadakiss. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, as the, as, the, them. as the middle class withers and dies, or continues to <laughs> at least, you got to lower your price points. I threw a tweet out there. There was a, uh, it was um, Coke kicked off a tweet about their investment in Suja mm-hmm. and how this was going to bring organic juices to the mainstream. I just did a, a, a quote at a comment and said, leave that shit to Jadakiss. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. That was inspired. Yeah. You're talking really close to that mic. It, it's, well, it's weird. It, I'm getting a lot of breath and peas. I was doing good on that one. Look. Sewing Soylent. Yep. Soylent. Heavy Metals. Terrible name for a product. Have we discussed that before? Yeah, but I don't know. It's working for him, I think. Yeah. You know what uh, interesting thing Tyler said to me this weekend that he d- didn't make it to the podcast? Was that names don't mean shit, basically? Do- mm. Doesn't matter? Really? No, because at some point, it just... It's the experience of the brand. Exactly. Takes over. But Soylent. Soylent Green is people. <laughs> Soylent. I think there can be a problem if, if you try too hard with the name. Yeah. Then it's like, well, do you have anything else to back it up? Are you Ooh. just are you just a name? Yeah, don't rest on those laurels, right? You know, I mean, what name do I not like? Hampton Creek. Why don't I like it? But remember the story? I was like, that's not a story. Yeah, there wasn't much of a story. It's like, oh, there was a dog and then this creek somewhere. <laughs> no, there was a dog. A friend's that, dog. A, 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 a nice memory of the CEO's friend's dog. And then they wanted to make it natural, so they put it on a creek. Yeah. But you know what? Doesn't seem to matter. Forget the name. No one's talking about that. Nope. Next. Meal replacement shake. Very popular in Silicon Valley where people don't have time to get up and eat. They have to just code. Till their fingers are numb. Yeah. Gotten some uh, investment from hot shots like Andreessen Horowitz, A16Z. Uh, and because of the name, probably, they've, they've be- they're emblematic of something in the same way Hampton Creek is emblematic of something. It's sort of like this super high-tech approach to... So they take a high-tech approach to cannibalism, to eating people, whereas... <laughs> That's just a, a name. different product? Okay. It's a weird name, though. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, don't get it, but whatever. Uh, heavy metals prove all too common in real replacement products, says Watchdog Group. Amy Westervelt, The Guardian. 
In Silicon Valley, oh God, I just said all this stuff. In Silicon Valley, techies and tech investors alike have embraced the meal replacement. Soylent is the best known, blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. Independent lab tests commissioned by As You Sow found that each serving of Soylent comes with 12 to 25 times the level of lead that would require a warning under California Safe Drinking Water and Toxic Enforcement Act, also known as Prop 65. Everybody hates that uh, law. I got, I got that impression from reading this. Well, I mean, it's just just common knowledge, right? That Terrible! Um, and four times the cadmium concentration deemed acceptable by the state's laws without a warning. Given that many of its customers consume its meal replacement drinks three times a day, that could equate to 36 to 72, uh, 36 to 75 times lead levels deemed acceptable and 12 times the level of cadmium. Last point. Here's the pivot. Pivot on this for a while. In its next iteration, Soylent plans to replace its brown rice-based formula with a soy-based formula. And since rice powder is likely to be the heavy metal culprit, the uh, argument may be rendered moot. There you go. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm into the culture of snacking. I do a lot of snacking myself. I've been eating those Vega One bars, those Vega Sport bars, excuse me. You know, you're like getting, You're getting close to a meal replacement Like there. they're celery sticks. Just chomping on them. But then sometimes I'm like, you know what? I should actually just eat a celery stick. Should dip it in some good spread peanut butter. Should take it back to the basics. That's all I'm saying. There's other things you can replace a meal with. It doesn't have to be some vitamin fortified powder nonsense. You can, like a celery dipped in good peanut butter. There's your protein. There's your fiber. There's some vitamins in there, I'm sure. I think celery might have been lower than iceberg lettuce on the... uh Tamar Haspel Nutrient Index. Fuck that. That's wrong. There's so much fiber in celery. I mean, geez, think about the experience of eating celery. You can tell there's a ton of fiber in it. Yeah, it's hard to As chew. you're swallowing celery, you can just imagine it scrubbing out your insides. You know what I mean? So, and if I'm to believe something I remember seeing on uh, Greg Carroll's Instagram. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I lo- well, he always Cannabis posts- oil will cure cancer. No, there was something about like... Uh, that if you ate, ate a bunch of celery every day, it would lower your risk of something like heart attack or something. But, but big pharma doesn't want you to know that they want you to keep taking the drug. that's you know, right, making right. you bruise easily or whatever the hell. So I'm just, you know, food tech is there for us, but also just food is there for us. We can just, hmm. we can tap into some regular old shit, some ants on a log people. There's your, there's your meal replacement ants on a log, carob chips, high antioxidant load or dark chocolate. Yeah, you don't, it doesn't need to come in a lab, doesn't need to have people in it. So this might be the dark side of food tech. The elimination of the delight and experience of actually eating food, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, we can get it all. It's like a multivitamin run amok. You can get it all in a shake. You drink that. I, I can't, I haven't done it. I know people that have. I think you have to add like oil. There's powder and water and oil so you can get the omega-3s or something. Oh. Yeah, it was... I don't know. There's something grimly poetic about the fact that, that this stuff is huge in Silicon Valley, too. We're just silicon. The silicon, silicone, uh, potato, potato, but just where the, the life work balance is so savagely skewed. Like, no, we don't even have time to eat regular meals. We're just going to mix up our oil powder concoction at our desk and soldier on. I, yeah. It I, all fits together too well. I, I wonder what. At the, you know, five years from now, ten years from now, what are they really offering? 
there's no delight in that three times a day shake. Well, well, it's like do you get di- to shake it in a proprietary canister, though, because there's some delight in that. <laughs> yeah, but it's a very dystopian future, right? Like, you won't have time to eat. There won't be any good food. This shake will keep you alive. This is all you need. Yeah, that's kind of where we're headed if we're not careful. Oh, we got it all nailed. Mall America. New Mall of America. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's where the world is headed if they don't now, heed our advice. having chatted with Tyler, we just got to bake coffee into that mall. Yeah. How are we going to indoor farm that? Grow some hydro coffee. We'll urban ag it with Arlo. That's right, because he was a big believer in <laughs> the will. New Mall of America. <laughs> He'll have a psychic uh, seizure over like, ah! So, uh, I don't know. Eat some celery, people. Or don't eat celery. Eat kale. I don't know. Eat some shit. Some real shit. Yeah. You know? Look at you, though, but you're the nutrition bar guy. I'm saying eat some of that, too. Drink your soil, but don't drink it three times a day. Yeah. Or if you do drink it three times a day... Don't get bummed out 20 years from now when your your poop doesn't float because there's so much lead in it. That whole lead thing that with the with it leaches in the in the rice powders, that's hit organic companies as well. Arsenic too, right? The arsenic. So there's something about just this carryover contaminant, right? That's just going to end up in that anyway and it doesn't really hit the levels that it if it's 75 times, that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah clean that's a that lot. clean that shit up. Good for you as you sow. That's right, because you reap what you sow, Soylent, and people who Moving abuse on. it. Moving on. Moving on. Walmart, Pentecostal Church, bomb shelter. So we're adding to our list of, of spots that could host the new agricultural future. Um, Why are you squirming around over there? Dude, you're right. Sitting on the floor blows. It's not <laughs> yeah. good. This is episode 26, by the way. It's my first time on the floor. Welcome to the club. I'm not enjoying it. World War II bomb shelter becomes high-tech salad farm deep under London by Olivia Solone. This is in Bloomberg. What? Solone. I don't... How do you pronounce S-O-L-O-N? Listen, I don't know the right way to pronounce it. You're just going to assume I'm wrong. You might be right, but just wherever your mind goes with these things is very different than where my mind would. What what would you call her? I would say it's S-O-L-O-N. I would go Solon. Solon? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go Salone. Salone. I said Salone. I'm thinking of the word Shalom, which is actually Shalom. Bloomberg story. Salon. 33 meters under the streets of central London is an old World War, World War II bomb shelter that's been transformed into a high-tech underground farm. The long tunnels beneath Clapham are being filled with stacked layers of hydroponic beds forming vertical farms for growing salads and herbs that can be delivered to tables in the city within four hours of harvesting. The growing system uses energy-efficient LEDs instead of sun, no pesticides, needs 70% less water than growing plants in open fields, and less energy than a greenhouse. This, uh, this subterranean farm is optimized for growing crops like pea shoots, coriander, mustard leaf, rocket, radish, and garlic chive. Small leafy greens with a short growth cycle made even shorter through careful manipulation of the environment. I'm just going to blast through all these quotes real quick. Quote, we've got to utilize the spaces we've got. There's a finite amount of land, and we can grow salads and herbs, which start losing flavor and quality as soon as you cut them, in warehouses and rooftops in cities near the people who will eat them. He adds, I don't know who he is. Mark did a very poor job of filling out this Google Doc. Use the rural land for things like carrots, potatoes, and livestock. All right. I like that last little sentence the best. Yeah. Get smart about what you want to use the land for. Sure, man. Get the livestock out there grazing. 
fertilizing. You grow herbs in your backyard. Any any joker can grow herbs in a pot. Yeah, I was almost even able to do it this summer. <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't rear cattle. No, most definitely not. And in this article too, you didn't include this on the doc, but I think uh, this brand is being picked up by some Michelin starred restaurants, so they yeah, have that yeah, going yeah. for them. Ooh. And and the branding game's tight too. Like the the little the little clamshells look good. It's cool. It's a cool idea, right? It tells the story a little bit. I mean, they're capitalizing on the space too. That it's interesting. That it's a bomb shelter, and now it's feeding people. It, That's what we're talking about. That synergy, the experience. It's the product. It's the service. It's the experience. It's like tapped into all three channels. But what we're also talking about is reclaiming spaces you wouldn't think to include in vertical farming or indoor farming. Yeah, just like use, a bomb use shelter there. underground. It's yeah. not the it's not the glorious skyscraper every time. We are crushing it on these stories. Everyone in Miami should be... We are be... crushing it in what we cover on this. We... Here we go. Well, let's talk about us for a minute. We... <laughs> these are the news stories that matter. That's right. We don't just cover the news, what we find. We pick the ones that matter, and we are getting it right. Yeah, we are. You go back to the tape. Remember, I was like, oh, Unilever dropped their lawsuit. Maybe they're whispering to FDA about Hampton Creek. Boom, three weeks later, hits. Prescient, Gilded Insider. Prescient. Well, but you're a I part appreciate of this too. <laughs> your prescience. I preach your preach, dude. We're picking the right things, man. I think we're going to go back, come back in time and listen to this podcast. We're going to be able to go to clients and say, uh, yeah, back in uh, episode 24, two years ago, uh, we called this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. <laughs> hey, and, and that's, that is a good point, too, that, that they've built the story of where this was grown into the branding. That's, that's key. If but you it's got this a real new mall of America. It's you got to figure story. out a way. Don't don't be ashamed of that shit. Don't hide the fact that you're in a crappy old mall. Celebrate it. This is the new mall. Do you know what I, of America? I started a playlist on SoundCloud. Did you yesterday? I called meant, no. Well, you can contribute to it over time. It's only got a couple. I'm allowed to. Oh yeah, I have access. Okay. Well, there, it has to be songs on SoundCloud. You pull in. No, I know, I know that. Okay, good. It's called that new mall ambiance. Because what I'm imagining is the soundtrack playing through oh. this urban ag center. What's who's who's the music for? It's not for Pete. Is it for the employees or is it for the crickets? Well, they'd probably be visiting all. Do tube steaks have ears? Oh, you know what's interesting? You think about maybe you've heard that thing that plants grow better if they're if you play classical music for them. I wonder if uh, tube steaks, you know, lab grown meat. I wonder if it the texture would change. Oh, maybe there's your terroir. Maybe the new terroir is audio. Oh, some Jimmy Whispers. You're killing me. We're creating the user experience for this new Mall of America in we that are. playlist. Well, I mean, we're leading the charge with our branding efforts. Get on I mean, it. We understand. We take a three-pronged, sometimes, sometimes four-pronged approach. Our, our fork is, is many-pronged. What do you, are we going on here? Uh, the death of sustainable meat. So if you're going to get smart about the land... We'll stop doing some things, pull that inside, leave that valuable resource for what really matters. Yeah. Like meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too bad, fuckers. With the sale of Neiman Ranch, I got that wrong? What the sale of Neiman Ranch could mean for farmers? I always thought it was Nyman Ranch. Did you? No. Twilight Greenaway, Civil Eats. Many. Twilight Greenaway? Yeah. Pro. I hope so. Many in the food world were shocked by this week's announcement of the sale of Neiman Ranch to poultry giant Purdue. 
Jesus. As one of the go-to brands behind Chipotle's antibiotic-free pledge mm-hmm. and a relatively accessible alternative to industrially produced meat, Neiman Ranch has carved out an important niche in a market where demand for anybody, God, antibiotic-free and humanely produced foods are steadily on the rise. Neiman Ranch used to mean something. That's exactly right. Back in 2001, this guy was a valet working at some of the nice restaurants around Chicago. I remember like that's where I first started catching the Neiman, the Neiman buzz. He had the really? Neiman Ranch pork chop. That was prominently featured on many a menu. Really? I mean, I think now it's been diluted because... Well, that's the, that's the story here. Is that but that's the, a slow dilution, right? Because it used to be kind of like a really high-end boutique type of It was a husband and wife, I think, who, who built out this network of top-of-the-line... Uh, yeah. sustainably raised meats. And then they, at some point it gets big and the guy who started it pieces out, starts his own smaller thing again. Yep. And, and, then, and private equity comes in. And so so the founder story and that really authentic mission is sort of removed from what the brand has become. Mm-hmm. And so then it goes to Purdue and you're like, oh, well, maybe. But it is just another sort of death blow to like, ugh. I mean, Applegate went to Hormel. Neiman goes to Purdue. Purdue. What's left? You now, know, is there left? any sort of like reverse shockwave though? Butchered. So by by Purdue, do they how how interested how how important is it to their business model that they keep the integrity of Neiman Ranch intact? Well, isn't that the question? It is because if they really want to keep it intact, does that mean then they start restructuring things? And does that trickle up? Does it make that slow climb up the hill? Ooh, probably not. You're you're throwing the Annie's argument on the table. I am. I'm bringing it around. So is Annie's good for General Mills, or is General Mills bad for Annie's? Which wins in that struggle? I'm guessing there's no clear winner. It's probably a little bit of both. No clear winner. Yep. It, you know, in the history of these things, it's going well so far. Mm-hmm. Kudos, Annie's, John. Yeah, and I mean, you trace, you trace it back to Honest Tea, right? Honest Tea, like, another hey, successful take that, example. Uh, take that high fructose corn, corn syrup thing off the, off the box. Yeah. No. Fuck you. Oh, yeah. Fuck you is what it was. <laughs> Fuck you. That was my words. Yeah. What was it? You you pay the bill, asshole. <laughs> yeah. That's that's where you insert that one. Okay, good. Good to know. Uh, it, it just makes me sad. It just makes me sad that there is no viable alternative to selling out to a big established food company. And so I I understand, right, that like in order for the food system to change these big food suppliers have to change as well. And so isn't that a good thing that they're diving into natural and sustainable at all? Okay, great. And if you want to, if you're doing good for the world, wouldn't you want to scale up and do a lot more good by selling to General Mills? Okay, great. But wouldn't it be nice if you could just do what you're doing and succeed and... And that could be enough? That could be enough. You know who that is? Bronner's. Yeah, that's Bronner's to the course. Yeah. Bronner's is the anomaly, unfortunately. And the, the impulse... They're there, though. The motivation behind starting an organic farm is quite a bit different than the motivation behind acquiring an organic farm yep. because it improves your, your public offering or whatever. Fuck that. Your, your brand reputation, the growths over there. I mean, they're very attractive investments, right? But we right. talked to Arlo last week. That's living on an organic farm. I didn't stick That's for some him. real people <laughs> wanting to make real products though. I can make them right. Whereas this is like, ooh, we want and in on parents, some of that mojo. They've been doing it for decades. Yeah. What are they? Wow. Interesting. Right. What are they going to do? Farmer's not around to run it. Even if there's like eight or nine people at GM or, or I mean at General Mills or wherever that are super on board with like, yeah, let's do this. Let's fucking get this right. That's a big fragmented company. Right. 
Shit's going to fall through the cracks. So that's the assumption here. Purdue will buy it. They'll say it's arm, we're arm's length from it. They can treat it. They can treat farmers the way they always have. But there was a guy, um, uh, oh God. George Who's Burns? Who's the guy? George oh, Burns. Barry, Barry Estabrook. Was super smart about sustainable agriculture. He's doing a whole book on pigs, I think. Igs. He just threw some photos up. Like, here's typically how oh, yeah, Purdue operates, that. and here's a, a Neiman farm versus, and you're like, oh boy. And it's so, a sad day for smart pigs. people think this through and go, how could they make this work at Purdue at the scale they need? And over time, eh, they, they see this, they see it coming. Yep. And then that's sad too, because then Chipotle ekes closer to just being another run of the mill fast food place. That, that's, that's an interesting angle. What mm-hmm. is Chipotle? What happens to them? Because they are, they're pushing hard on that fast food, fast casual thing. They are. Like high level. And it's working for them. Yeah. They got some blowback on the GMO stuff, but like... But they, they, gen, they care about their product. They care about their workforce. They, they stopped selling pork because they couldn't get enough uh, through their supply chain. So they See? stopped selling carnitas in the restaurants. I'm like, whoa. That's bold. That is bold. Yeah. And when we were living in Chicago, my, my, I have a second cousin. His name's Jacob. And he worked... I don't know if he still works for Chipotle, but back then he worked for Chipotle and he was, he was kind of in charge of their ESL program. So that, that people who work there could come mm. in uh, early for their shift and get free English wow. lessons. See? Just, you That's just doing care. it right. You just, yeah, do it right. Care about stuff. Yeah. And it's Jeez. not like something that they were necessarily even bragging about. It wasn't on all their little leaflets. It's just like, we're going to do this because it's the right thing to do. And like, it'll, it, it improves our brand. This is not hard. It isn't. It ain't fucking rocket science. It's just, you know, the problem is it's like, you can't rush through this shit. Right. It's like with growing a, a, an amazing podcast you can't just it doesn't just happen overnight you build this you do build it over time you build this and you don't you we're know in what? this for the long haul people yeah sorry nbc we're gonna get better at it you can't have this we're gonna do different versions of it you can have this no gonna, they can't no, have it it's gonna be expensive <laughs> it's gonna cost you full creative control remains right here in this basement that's right oh you don't like the mark's booming hard peas that's part of the mystique well, tough we can shit up, we can up the production no value. no 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 we can do that <laughs> We don't want to lose our rough edges. No, that's... That's, that's where, the, where the people trust. Pick your battles. They can get traction <laughs> on those rough edges. Like, these jackasses are just like me. <laughs> Actually, they're a little worse than me. Oh, this no, is comforting. We're getting better. We're getting better. We, we are getting better. So, so, but here's what I'm thinking about. I'm try, I can think I can count them on one hand. Privately owned, founder-driven, big food companies. Cliff. Clayman. Bronner's. Bronner's. Nature's Path. Look at the insider go. <laughs> uh, Stonyfield, nope. Dannon. The gilded wheels Annie's, are turning. Nope. General Mills. Uh, Vega one. Vega, Vega, nope. White Wave. <laughs> White uh, Wave, nope. Dean Foods. I uh, think they spun it back out. Oh, what about Plum and Bold House go to Campbell? What about that new almond milk on the market? It's like California Farms or something. It's like, got like a it's like a lava lamp shaped bottle, kind of. Califia, Califa, Califia. Maybe. Or you about New Barn? New Barn's a new almond milk, too. Oh. What about the one I just mentioned? Not that small. That what about uh, Blue Hill? That's private. Ooh, Blue Hill. Cool. Yeah. And they got the they're, farm, they're the ready restaurant, to up the, game. the products. They could, they See, could, that's a nice portfolio right there. Yeah, but they're not big. It's, the, the challenge comes when you go, remember, north of 20 million? you see the parallels, million? though? You got the blog. You got the podcast. You got the restaurant. You oh, got the us? yogurt. Yeah, they're analogous to us. Well, we got the platform. Yeah. 
And one day they can experience the same kind of growth that we're experiencing now. Just hang in there, guys. It'll happen for you. Especially with this drinkable savory yogurt. I think that's... I'm on board. I'll drink it. You still haven't tried their actual yogurt. No, but I would in a heartbeat. I know it's going to be good. Mm -hmm. I I, love it. I was showing it to Tyler when we were at Whole Foods. He didn't bite it? He was like, huh? like, okay. Some people you got to bring along. You just got to try it is (laughs) what you got to do. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) He was so calm. He was very sedate. He's a controlled human. I slipped him a tranquilizer before we started. I don't, sorry about that, Tyler. So what, that's it? We're done? Mm-hmm. All right. That was a good episode. Where would you rank it out of like, our, what's our best episode yet? Uh, probably this one. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you uh, through the cold hard, cold hard metrics of uh, internet traffic. Mm. I'll tell you right now. I'm going to guess. Can I, can I guess? So I think Spencer Hamilton is still perched yep. at number one. Spencer's number one. Interesting, because that was probably our, our most uh, difficult one to listen to in terms of audio quality. Second hardest. Oh, right. Besides. <laughs> okay. True. Just a lot of ducking went into the production. There was oh, a lot of behind it? the scenes ducking, because oh. every time Spencer would stop talking, I'm dropping out the traffic. Yeah. Sorry about that. Hey, we should have been clear. Spencer, no, no harm, no foul there, buddy. Well, you know, we got to come up with... Anyway, um, number two, what's your guess? So... Starflake snow dust. You got it. Yeah. But a surprise, right? A little bit. I, yeah. I don't know why. I think maybe the space crowd came in on that one. I think so. Number three. What do you think? Number three is going to be Dave Carney. Oh, or is it 40 ounces to freedom? I don't know. Oh, Hopefully by now I'm fading out on this episode. Yeah. I, know, <laughs> I don't think I anyone really gives a shit. And there are, there's some, there's some, uh, we lost, we changed platforms back here. So the early episodes, I can't tell, but, uh, no, Dave was there until we've had this surge in recent months. So he didn't have the benefit of that new, uh, audience. We got, uh, Natchcast 26. Uh, thanks, Tyler. Real good to have you here. And not just like as a guest on the show, as, as a, one of my oldest friends. It's nice having him just be around and help out with everything. He's a wonderful person with a very generous spirit, just crammed full of wisdom. Some of it kind of like Southern and, uh, I don't know, warm. It's very warm. A lot of warmth from Tyler. He gives great hugs, too little bit of the pelvis press we were practicing that uh, come by free hugs in the natch cast basement if you can find us we'll hug you a big long uncomfortable hug we'll whis- whisper in your ear about food